1: Day to everyone, all the all, all the fathers. I've got a couple of young men that um, I'm excited to to introduce to you, um, faithful. Um, I've watched them, you know. I've seen well. Brother Jerome will be the first speaker, and I've seen him and his family, and I've seen how he's he you know he deals with his children and that. And I'm excited to see what a father, what fatherhood means to him, and also to um to to brother david oxley who i've known from a a young age who was a little menace um, used to come to our place with the youth and that but he has since grown up to be a um uh, an amazing young man he's um married and now himself he has a a young child and he's a father and i'm anxious to see what um what what has done to him how it's changed him so i'll just ask brother jerome
0: Praise the Lord, Church. Bit nervous. Uh, firstly, I just want to thank Pastor Pastor Stan Harvey uh, for the platform given for men to share today. I would also like to thank Brother George uh, for the opportunity um, given to me today. Also, I would like to acknowledge my Connect Group leader and Brother Mo, and a special mention to my father in New Zealand, Um You know, there are many great men and fathers within this church, um, but I'm honored and privileged to share today. Growing up as the youngest of six siblings, I was undoubtedly the favorite child. I was spoiled. I got away with everything. And because I knew I could, I used this to my advantage. I had lived under the expectation of uh, of things being done for me even throughout my teen years, and it continued into my adolescent years without realizing the impact it would have on me as a man, a husband, and a father. When I moved out of home to live with my wife, everything she needed or expected of me, as the man of our household, I was unable to meet, which caused a lot of tension. Not only was I naive, but I was also very stubborn still stuck in my childish ways because I lacked the understanding of how to transition from a child to a man. I was very much what they called a (laughs) man-child. This put some strain on our marriage. There was a requirement of me to care for my wife, to provide and to lead. But I was so self-absorbed that every decision I had made was all about me and how I benefited. Not taking into consideration how it would affect my wife, let alone our marriage. I thank God she didn't give up on me, but instead stepped in and became the one who stirred the direction of our marriage. I was content with taking a back seat. I was content doing the bare minimum. I was content forfeiting the position or the role that God had installed for me. In my distorted view, because I worked and provided an income, that was more than enough. I carried this mindset into my early years of parenthood, and it would have an effect on me as a father. Holding my son for the very first time, I struggled to connect with him emotionally due to the chain of events in my life which contributed to the selfishness. I was that selfish, I missed the birth of my son. I struggled to comprehend that now I had reached a certain stage in life where change was required, but I found it mentally difficult to adjust. In relation to a story in the Bible, it would be right in the beginning with Adam. God had placed Adam in the garden to tend and cultivate, a responsibility given by God. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone, so he formed Eve to be his wife to protect and care. A responsibility given by God. Bearing children, Adam as the head was to provide and teach in the ways of the Lord. Again, a responsibility given by God. Further enhancing the conviction I had of how little I was treating this role. Since being planted in this church and discipled by the many great leaders, in the mid, uh, Since being planted in church and discipled by many great leaders, I now know and understand my purpose. My role as a man, my role as a husband, and my role as a father. Not only did I learn through the unfolding of God's word, but also through the actions of these men and how greatly involved they are as family men. In May, 2020, my daughter was admitted to hospital. We were in the midst of a pandemic and a heavy lockdown, and I was restricted to 30 minutes visitation times per day to see both my wife and daughter. It was during this time that I had no choice but to care for my son and begin to form a deeper bond with him. Since since recommitting my life to Christ, I'm more intentional with family time And I see it as an opportunity to pour more of love into my kids rather than a chore. Praise God that we serve a God of second chances. Amen. A God that gives us the opportunity to rewrite the wrongs through the teaching of his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. My increased involvement in my relationship with my wife and our children has helped me be the man I am today. No longer all about me, but all about Him. And we as a family that God has blessed and entrusted us with. We believe strong marriages with Jesus as the foundation form strong families. I praise God for loving parents and supportive siblings who have also had, had a hand in raising the kids, as well as an overflow of love for many members of this church. Proverbs 311 12 says, Says my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in him, he who delights. Brothers, fathers, husbands, being a man comes with great honor. So I encourage a struggling, expecting father, do not neglect your relationship with our heavenly father, for from him all good things flow. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And lastly, raise your children in the ways of righteousness. As the Bible says, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Happy Father's Day, in Jesus' name.
2: Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Uh, before I'd like to start... I would just like to say thanks to the leaders of the church, Pastor Stan Harvey, Sister Gretch, and Brother Ben. And also Brother George for giving me this opportunity to speak on Father's Day. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit surprised when Brother George asked me today. Uh, I think he uh, picked the most inexperienced father in the church. <laughs> but glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Growing up as a child, uh, growing up as a child, sadly my father passed when I was three, three years of three years of age. But God blessed me with a man in my life, uh, growing up closest to ha- closest thing to being a father, my uncle Fred. Uh, my uncle Fred taught me what any father would teach their children, such as how to swim, ride a bike, even to cut the grass, even. Um, telling me the different sports and how it's played he would support me in everything that I did do inside of school and outside of school growing up as a teen I was truly blessed with this man sadly sadly passed this year at the age of 95 I would like to give honor to him by speaking today being a father to a newborn is quite interesting and abnormal when you think about it at first I'll give you an example when my wife was pregnant 12 weeks went past, six months, nine months. Everyone that I interact with from church, family and work will ask me, are you excited? And I'll be like, yeah, I am. But me, thinking me, uh, thinking to myself who, who I am as a person, I'll deal, I'll deal with it when it gets here. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to support, during that time, I'm just trying to support uh, my wife as a husband. In my role, in my in my role in everyday life, on tw- on the 27th of June, Navea was born, and my life changed. It was amazing. It was amazing to me how this 2.9 kilo baby made me understand what life, what I needed in my life, uh, what I needed to change in my life, such as being the man I am today. It really structured who I who I was, and underst- understanding my roots, gr- growing up as a man. It was tough the first two months with a the baby. The, it really, cha- it really cha- challenges your, your marriage um, in the relationship of everyday life. But I understand growing up in POS and being a faithful Christian, that God wouldn't put you in a situation that you can't handle. Having these core values in your household, in, in your household as a family is crucial because everyone in their family wants best for their children. That's why I thank God, me and my family are part of POS. Being raised in a church like this is a blessing. Having the support of leadership to the church, uh, from the church and also the church members is, is a heartwarming welcome. I was, I was brought up in this church and I had a lot of great leaders growing up, such as Ben Finn being my first youth leader, to Brother Greg uh teaching me Sunday school. Men like this taught me valuable lessons that that are from the Bible, and that we need to take into our everyday life. Being and being that father that I am today, I would want to impl- implement in, in in my child's life those lessons growing up as as a child in this church. I'd rather stand for God than. And serve Jesus, then go through this life blindly and stand for nothing. I thank I thank God every day for this blessing, being a father. Uh, it really structured who I am and what 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 I need to do in my part of being a father. I'll just in in Romans. I'll end with this verse in Romans first sixteen to 7, Romans one verse sixteen to seventeen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew for the Jew first and also for the Greek for all in righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it, it, is, it is written shall be the just shall live by faith thank you
1: wasn't that good well I want to give honor to our pastor for the opportunity to minister today um, to the men to the church Uh, give honor to all the leadership in this church Um, I'm gonna be quick just because I think I had a um, I got so much out of brother jerome and brother david that half of it is in here so i want to get rid of that and just continue on but what would father's day be without dad jokes come on give me one second Okay, why can't your nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. (laughs) What do you call a fake noodle? An (laughs) impasta. It's good that there's, there's still men or dad jokes now. Because 30 years ago, there was dad jokes, and these are new, so it tells you that there's still people, you know, talking about men, the dad's jokes and stuff like that. So what do you call a man with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. (laughs) All right, that's it. So today we celebrate Father's Day, and, um, and Father's Day is not, just a biolog- is not just for biological fathers, but it's for male role models in our lives, it's for grandfathers, for stepfathers, father-in-laws, foster fathers, teachers, leaders, and elders. So this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about us, the inner father or the invisible father being being a father is much more than performing a biological function it's about loving caring guiding and sharing the father is the head of the family he does this not out of insecurity or selfishness or pride but out of the desire to be obedient to and to serve god a father offers a wise counsel so that he may lead his children to the path of righteousness. He is slow to anger, yet demands respect. So Ephesians 6, 1 and 3 says that children to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that he may that it may be well with you and you may live. Long on the earth, a father is strong, reliable, confident, but a father is also tender, loving and understanding. Therefore, what we're talking what I'm talking to you today is about a ideal father. A good father is a provider. he is well is well capable of um, working and laboring and and having been able to provide for his family. He recognises the importance of making time for those he loves, his children, his wife, his family, his friends. A father is not judged by how much he earns or how much material goods he provides. What matters to his children is how well he is at being a father. History tells us that Father's Day was first started by a lady by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd. She was was a lady that lost her her mother at the age of 16. And in church one day, she heard a sermon about Mother's Day. And she felt that she needed to find a way to honour her father. So she brought that to their congregation and also their their alliances and she said to them that she wants to honour her father and this and that. And so they brought it out, they brought out a day, Father's Day, um, which was later on um, a permanent national observant of Father's Day was held in the United States on the third week of June. And in Australia, we celebrate Father's Day in September. Does anybody know why? Good, because they don't even know why. (laughs) I've looked and the only thing that I get was, we don't know why we'd celebrate it. We think that we celebrate it because it was too close to Mother's Day. And that Mother's Day, Father's Day cannot compete against Mother's Day. So we'll push it out six months and they'll kind of forget about Mother's Day and then we can be celebrated and honoured for that day. And also because it's springtime. It's, it's, it's a good, good time of year for it. But in the Bible we see good examples of fatherhood. We see in the, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, um, a very, very... Um, a very good portion of Scripture where we've, we we should be all familiar with, the prodigal son. And it says that, you know, that there were two sons. Um, one of the sons asked his father, or pretty much told his father, can I have my inheritance? And then he went and he wasted all, the, all of it on this, you know, wild living and stuff like that. But when he came to himself and he said that, how how many of my father's hand servants have bread to eat and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And then he arose, and then he went to his father. And we see a picture of his father looking out and then seeing his son coming back and running up to him and taking off his robe and placing it on him and hugging him and weeping and crying. See, this Father's Day, it presents, like we look at it as, you know, this is ideal, what, we, what I'm just talking about now, how we are men, we provide with that, but sometimes it says that um, that we are supposed to teach our children. We train up the child in the way he should go. When he is old, he shall not depart from it. We are to be providers. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We are to discipline them. He who spares the rod hates his son. But he that he loves him disciplines him, him promptly. Not wait a week, but on the spot. So these are these are examples that you know that we look at sometimes and as fathers, we can we we, we struggle. We struggle to attain that. So there's much more to that story of the prodigal the father here he was a, he was chosen as an illustration of our heavenly father he explains to us that this father was approachable affectionate loving despite the failures and walked with god and his sons knew it so every christian or every man father can be comforted because our Heavenly Father is as loving and forgiving as the one in Luke 15. Just as He loved and accepted the prodigal son, He will love and accept us when we come to Him for forgiveness. This is what we see in this story and the things that I have mentioned. We see an ideal father. But for some of us today, it is not an ideal Father's Day is hard for some people today. Some people have lost their father. Some people don't want to even mention father. Some of them have been abused by their father, have been beaten, have been, you know, they they come home and their father's been violent with them. And this doesn't paint a picture to them. I don't understand this. Who is this father you're talking about? They don't see the ideal father. They see the visible father the actions of their father. And today it doesn't help us in the culture that we live in. It doesn't promote fathers very well. They don't lift up fathers. The world actually is trying to bring down fathers, to degrade the male gender. So this is why men struggle and they lose their way. We all, we we tend to look at, as Brother Jerome says, what's for me? What's in it for me? With the increasingly, with increasingly lo, uh, live, in this particular scenario, this world, this culture is upside down, where opinions are given the same credence as facts, where the opinions of the masses sway the wisdom of leaders. Enter social media. No one whispers anymore. We post a fraction of a section with a simple click. Civil people start to attack those and degrade them or disagree with them, often without even knowing what the person's going through. You know the issues, education, school violence, protection of innocent children, the economy, federal deficits, school debt, finding a job that pays well, racism, politics, human trafficking, and the environment, poverty, social justice, fatherlessness. Divorce, homelessness, gang violence, immigration, social media, bullying, internet scams, sex scandals, police shooting, abortion, disputes over and how we define marriage and the gender. What is a male? What is a female? We struggle with this. And this is what society is today. But 2 Timothy uh, 3 reads that, but you know this. Oh, but know this, that in the last day, peerless times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unholy, unthankful, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, of, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but, but, but denying the power thereof. Sometimes what happens is we tend to gravitate to what the world is saying, and we lose our way. But I want to, I want to, I want to just kind of bring something up here. Something happens. Something happens. There's a change when you become a father. I can't explain it, but I remember when I was. Jesus is going back a while now, but. When my wife was first pregnant, and very similar to the way David and Jerome had said, like, congratulations, yeah, great, great. But in the hospital, it's like a video or a movie that is in my head. And I'm looking at this little baby, and they go, What in the world am I going to do? This is all new, it's foreign. What do I do? See, some men change for the good. Some men change for the bad. But something for sure is it's going to change you. Some men feel overwhelmed and can't handle the pressure. They can't handle the pressure of change and they just leave and they walk out. Some hold on for as long as they can but get annoyed because of this so, so much change in them that they get violent. And they get annoyed. And sometimes that violence scrape comes into becoming an abuse. And before you know it, they're in jail. Some turn to alcohol. But there are some men that embrace the challenge and change and take the responsibility of what God has given them. You know, there's no throwaway lines in Scripture. And recently, I've had my eyes open to a portion of Scripture that changed the way I look at the Word of God. So, if you could humor me just for a moment, Genesis chapter one, verse fourteen and sixteen. It says that then the Lord said, "Let the lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be a sign and seasons for the days and years, and let them and let them be the lights." in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so then God made the two lights the greater light to rule by day and the lesser light to rule by night he could have stopped there and that would have been enough but he had to add that he also made the stars and I thought about that like he could have stopped but he didn't and then if you could if you could bring up Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, please. It's the genealogy of Adam. And if you go through from verse 1 to verse 21, it talks about, if you can give me verse number 3, It says that Adam lived 130 years and begat a son and in and in his own likeness and in his image and he called his son Seth and then it keeps it, it keeps going through all the way the genealogy it says that after Adam had begotten Seth he was so many years old and he dies at this age and then the next one that he begat and he had a son and he lived this long, and then he died. And then it keeps on going through the whole scripture until it gets to verse number 21. And in verse 21, Jared had, Jared had um, begat Enoch, and it says that Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And then he says... After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. And I looked at that and I says, hang on a minute. From verse 1 all the way to verse number 21 or 20, it doesn't mention anything about what happened. And then all of a sudden, in this scripture it says that after he begat, and in my mind, after he became a father, to Methuselah. Then it says that he walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. So there was a change when he became a father. When he became a father, something happened. And then we read that he walked now with God for 300 years. And even more than that, it says that all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He didn't even see death. Something happened when he became a father. And something is happening to our young men as they get older, they get married, and they become fathers. And like David said today, he doesn't know what's going on, but now all of a sudden he's looking at this baby and even Jerome. Now he's spending time because we... We men, we go through different things. We struggle in a lot of different areas. We worry about different opinions, about what people think and what people say. We struggle with our life. How do we balance our life? We struggle with becoming more kingdom-minded. We struggle with making friends and keeping them. We struggle with work. Do I have a good job? Do I not have a good job? Do I need a better-paying job? You know, all this kind of stuff. We struggle with children, our next generation, how to bring them up. When you look at a child, you don't think that, oh my goodness, now I'm gonna be responsible for you and I'm gonna train you and you don't think like that. But all of a sudden, we have to teach them, we have to provide for them, we have to protect them. And we have, we have young men here today that have, that have got young babies. They need to be taught. They need to look at someone that's had kids. What do I do? Psalm 78 says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. Tell them to the to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works and he, that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that we should make them known to our children, that the generation will come might know them, the children who who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, we're not told this when we're first having a baby. How do we get told? We get told by going to Sunday school. We're going to grow up and this is going to happen. Then we, all of a sudden we have a child. We need to look to man. We look to look to somebody that is living that, that has got kids, that can teach us. Because men struggle with... Another thing that we struggle with is shame. And we struggle with... that. Brother Danny did a, a, a good teaching to the men one night about shame and, you know, how, how we struggle in that. Men struggle in their marriages. Why? Because we're told that we're their head and the woman is not. So we want to put the woman down. So we have this, this conflict so we, and we struggle with that. We, we don't know what our role is. We struggle with sharing our faith to our friends and our family because if we're not right, how am I going to tell the next person? We struggle with a majority of these areas because we struggle with the main area, and that is our identity. Who are we? What am I? What is my purpose? And we tend to look at our identity in the way that the world sees us. They see us with, you're successful. You've got a big house. You've got a car. You've got a nice car. And... That's how the world... We identify with that. But there's another identity that we should be looking at. Because those identities are the visible identities. But we need to look at the invisible inside of us. So we call... I'm going to call that naked before God identity the real man, the invisible man or the father? What does God see you? How does God see you? When God thinks about you, what does he think about? What is your identity in God? What is it in God's eyes? What's your identity? See, in Samuel Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16 and 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see man as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Man looks at the visible. God looks at the invisible. What's inside So, when God is thinking about you, are you. Sorry. When God is thinking about you and what your life is all about, He's not looking at the outer appearance of you, He's looking at your heart. We can ask, because David did, he asked and even consider to ask God the question, as David did. I understand it's Father's Day, and it's geared to fathers, but sometimes even as a church, we need to look at some things and, and ask the question. David said in Psalms 8, When I consider the heavens, your work, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that you visit him. Who are we? And what is our life about? God can settle that once and for all. He can settle that. If you're honest, you can tell him anything. He knows the inner parts of you. See? Tell me if you've heard this before. You're created in God's image. You are the full expression of God's creative genius. God was, very, God, was, God was at his very best when he made you. You are his most excellent creation. And there are some men, some fathers, that will say, then why do I still feel this way? Because sometimes we have to believe it. Sometimes we've got to get these voices out in our head that say that we're no good, useless, no good for nothing, and then we need to start believing what God is saying. Because if we don't start believing it, then we're going to be lost out. We're We're going to be out. We're going to struggle in these different areas of life. And in closing... The challenge, if you choose to accept men, fathers, grandparents, brothers, stepfathers, father figures, role models, if you choose to accept the challenge, and that is we are not perfect. Every day that we live, we need to just get a little bit better. Start talking to people, not anybody Talk to people of like faith. Talk to people that you can trust. Get encouragement from them. We need to we need to create an atmosphere where men, especially men, we don't want to see men hiding in the corner. We want to be able to see men being able to talk to men. We want to close the gap between men and young men. We want to be able to say... To the young men that are that have just had a child, come and talk to us. We'll show you what we'll tell you what it's like. You know, we'll tell you what it's like to have five girls, and being and being the guy that screams his head off outside of the house, and the whole neighbourhood knows who that man is. I'll tell you who that is. You know, because this is what happens. You you get taught. Because people have gone through it. As people experience things, they will, they will start to share it. I remember, I remember, my, like now I've got five, five kids, five girls, five uh, son-in-laws, ten grandkids and possibly, possibly another one. I won't say anything else. But I would never in a million years dream or even write this story. I would never in a million years think that I was going to travel to Canada and to meet my wife and to settle down there and have girls. And and then... Never. But I still look to young men and... How are you how are you training your children so I can know where I went wrong because I went wrong ask my wife you know when they say oh, how do you how did you how did you raise so many, ki- so many children all these girls how did you raise them she did i have no idea how to raise girls i know how to you know hug them and love them and that but you know they, they go through a certain stage where bye dad why don't we all stand but we need to we need to understand that we've been given we've been given a, a, a responsibility as fathers parents to raise our children to see the next generation. And sometimes we we struggle in ourselves, but the Bible says, and this is comforting to me, if any man, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed and behold, all things have become new. If any man is in Christ, in other words, if you are in Christ, if you have been born again of the water and of the Spirit, you have a new identity. You are a new creature. And if you haven't been born again of the water and of the Spirit, what better day, what better time than today, Father's Day, to do that, to step in the water, to get baptised. In the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins and you will have a new identity. You can sing that song that we sing. There's a new name written down in glory. Is that American style or whatever. And it's mine. So we can sing that. Because God does not just leave us on a limb. He's constantly drawing us. He's constantly encouraging us. He's constantly telling when we feel down, oh what is my purpose? What am I doing? We read the Bible, we read his word. It says in Jeremiah, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalms 139 For I have formed you, for you were formed in, in inward parts. You covered me with, the, with my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days of fashion for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are the thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So I'm wondering this morning if we could just we can close our eyes. I'm going to open up this altar. But I'd, I would, I'd just love to see the fathers come down to the altar and drag your, your families with you. And let's just pray for our fathers today. My father's in the house. Any fathers out there? All the dads. Hallelujah. You know, we take our example from our heavenly father. How he is loving to us, caring to us, how he only wants the best for us. So I want to say to you one thing. Do not let the world define who you are. Don't let the world define your identity. Your identity is in Jesus. It is not in this world. So let the invisible man the real man that's inside of you be defined by the invisible heavenly Father. Let God define you. So why don't we just close our eyes, let's let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for every father in this house today, every biological father and even father figures, Lord, stepfathers, grandfathers, Lord. We're so thankful for them, Lord Jesus. that they they are trying their best. Lord, that they are stepping out and they're doing what they can do, Lord God. So I pray, Lord God, that your hand will be upon them. Lord, that you will move upon them. Bless them, Lord. Encourage them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Every day as they live, as they walk, Lord God, in your ways. Lord, as as this world is trying to stop man and, and fathers, Lord Jesus, let us stand up. Let us stand up to be called out. We are the fathers. We are the men of God. We're so thankful for that, Lord Jesus. Father, we just pray that you will have your hand upon them. Bless them today. Bless the remaining time that they have, Lord Jesus, today and this afternoon, Lord, that they can share and their families celebrate this time and that we can give them honour today. We love you, Lord. We appreciate you, Jesus. We thank you for all the...
0: Hallelujah. 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 We're, we're still at the altar. Why don't one on all the fathers? Why don't you come up a little bit closer? And I wonder if all you the kids, the, the kids are here, if not, we're just gonna pray right now. I want you to surround every father. If you're not, if they're not your dad, just a friend, that's okay. Come and surround them. I want you to pray. Lay your hands on our dads today. We want to pray a blessing. We want to pray for God's goodness, God's grace right now. In the name of Jesus, as this choir, the the team sings right now, we're going to pray for them. Pray for all the dad. Some of you saints of God, why don't we surround somebody? Don't leave one dad unprayed for. Don't leave one dad unprayed for. But why don't we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus? Over the next several minutes.